Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. You ready? Saturday, everyone. Good afternoon, wherever you are. Good morning, good evening, good night. I don't know, but I'm excited to be with you. Welcome back to Buff Hub, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Steve Vega, and today I want to talk about where Josh Allen ranks. Simple as pie, right? Well, (laughs) the more I read into it, the more I realized it really wasn't that simple. Um, You know, so we obviously have some factors that go into this year. You talk about fans in the stands, you talk about losing John Brown, and we're going to talk about if he ranks inside that top five. I don't want to deal with the top 10 because I will literally be here for three hours breaking down every single quarterback and what I wish Josh Allen had, what I wish he didn't have. And I can nitpick for hours, right? But I want to focus on what you guys want to hear. And, you know, basically, we're just going to get into it, right? Does Josh Allen belong in the top five going into 2021? All right. So let's start from the bottom and make our way up to the top here. I, I got sparked with this idea of talking about this. And I I know it's a normal conversation, right? I know a lot of people talk about it on Twitter. Um, We even talk about it when we're having a beer. Um, You name it, right? Uh, Having dinner and, you know, someone else isn't a fan of Josh Allen in your family. I don't know. And you just start arguing on, you know, why he belongs in the top five or at least the top 10. I don't know what the conversations go like. All I know is in my head, I just have five quarterbacks that I believe Josh Allen is constantly going to be on that stock market with, you know, I don't know about you guys, but you ever, you ever see how, uh, in certain stocks. And if you, some of you guys are invested in your crypto, you see what's been happening. You got stocks that are shooting all the way the hell down. Some of them are going, some of them are going all the way back up. Um, not even just crypto, just other things. Um, I don't know what you invest to, but like this, it's kind of like quarterbacks, right? You know, one week they're super hot and then the next week, they're just not because it's just not a quarterback-driven game. It's just a running game-based win, and it's weird, and you're like, oh my gosh, what happened? And then there are games where in the playoffs where a lot of people lose faith, and a lot of people take their stock out, right? This is, this is the best analogy I can come up with, especially with number five here, Deshaun Watson. Let's imagine for a second, Deshaun Watson never had Bill O'Brien as a coach, never had these off-season issues. You just saw him play, and you had to judge him based off of how he plays, how he produces on the football field. To his credit, losing Hopkins was huge. But I cannot take away his extreme athleticism and accuracy that kept 
games close, even after Bill O'Brien was gone. Bill O'Brien literally ruined him. And this it's a really sad situation for him because now his off-field situation could potentially end his career. At least in Houston. So, if, if we're going to talk about just quarterback play, right? And there's a lot of things that obviously go into a player, right? When you think about him, I'm, I'm sure we can, we can come up with a million stories. But Deshaun Watson, I do not believe for one second if he were to go to a team like Miami, the Arizona Cardinals, the Los Angeles Chargers, not, no, no knock to Justin Herbert, but certain teams that are literally that one player or one quarterback away from really taking that next step, that's the guy that does it. That's why I'm at number five. Now, i got to move on to number four because eventually we've got to dissect this whole Josh Allen ranking, right? So number four, I have Aaron Rodgers. Right now, I have him at number four. I get it. He was the MVP. Whatever. Quick release. Monster reading the football field. But right now, age is against him more than it is against Brady. Because the kind of injuries he's dealt with are going to start wearing him down. And so is his career without a number one receiver. If he wants to, if he wants to leave Green Bay, and he thinks he's going to be able to go to a team that's going to have everything ready for him to go, he's got another thing coming. Because if Green Bay trades him, they're probably going to trade him to a team where he's basically going to be—he's going to be screwed. Even if he goes to New England, New England doesn't have a number one receiver. That is what Aaron Rodgers thrives off of. Not a number one tight end. Like, you can't believe a tight end can literally carry your football team to victory in the playoffs and so forth. Like, yeah, you can win games. You'll be a tough matchup with a running game and some tight ends, but you still need that wide receiver who can open up the game for you. And I'm sorry, Aaron Rodgers, but that's why I have you at number four. Number three, Josh Allen. Athleticism, his progression, and Stephon Diggs keep him, in my opinion, in the top three. If he takes a step back, okay, I'm going to have to reevaluate why he's at number three. But literally, just seeing the quantum leap he had in year three, you can't make this up. If I'm not a Bills fan and I'm looking at this guy, I am literally looking at my organization. If I'm struggling, to find, if, my, if my organization is struggling to find a quarterback, I'm like, it, just find a guy like Josh Allen and find an offensive coordinator like Brian Dable and just bite the bullet for the next couple of years trying to figure out how to use him. Nobody saw this coming. We believed this was possible. But even some of us on this network were very skeptical of what he was going to be able to do in year three, and then bada-bing, bada-bang, here comes Stephon Diggs in a trade, and the whole entire opinion switches. We're 50-50. we got to wait to see how it's on the field. Boom. Just literally lights up every single defense. 
and we're going to get more into that. Number two, Patrick Mahomes. Look, I will not deny that Patty Mahomes will forever be OP as long as he has Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill. I don't care who's his running back. I don't care how lackluster his offensive line may be. If you have Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and you're Patrick Mahomes, you will always belong in that top two. Number one, Tom Brady. Simply put, his mind keeps him above the rest. The way he reads the football field. How patient he is. If there is any example of what absolute, just assassin patience at the quarterback position, if there's any example ever, it's Tom Brady. This dude is so patient. He'll let you be up over 20 points in the fourth quarter and still find a way to win the freaking game. I'm sorry. I hate that Tom Brady's number one, but he's number one. Going into 2021, he's number one. All right, guys. So we're going to get into factors now about Josh Allen, right? Why I have him in the top five. And we're also going to talk about what we need to sustain Josh Allen to stay in the top five. Right, we're going to get into those points. But first off, how does fans in the stands affect Josh Allen going into next season? Well, one thing you got to look at is his resume. Right? A lot of people are going to basically go into this next season discrediting him for the season he just had. Okay, do that. Go ahead. Because you got to do the same thing to Tom Brady. You got to do the same thing to Aaron Rodgers. You got to do the same thing to Patrick Mahomes. You have to do the same thing to Deshaun Watson. So I don't want to hear it. Everyone had the advantage last year of no crowd. Everyone did. I know the playoffs were a different story, and everyone wants to get into how you know there was a lot more fans in the Chiefs game and how that played a factor. Look. We can talk about that. But I want to focus on just I want to focus on his 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 resume as a whole. Just basically, you know, Josh literally carried the Bills in the playoffs. You can't make that up. He won two playoff games through one interception on 120 attempts. This was with fans in the stands. And I want to get into a factor that I know is going to ruffle some feathers. You know, because we already answered that, right? I gave you my points for fans in the stands. I want to get into his number two. And I'm not talking about Stefan Diggs. I'm talking about number two to Stefan Diggs. His second option. Let's talk about John Brown. 
John Brown may or may not have been involved heavily in the game plan, but nonetheless, only posted 86 yards and zero touchdowns in the playoffs. You cannot make that up. A solid number two is very necessary for Josh. If you noticed, we did a lot of shuffling at the wide receiver position because of John Brown's inavailability. We went 5-0 and without him. We win two playoff games, even with his lackluster performance. We had to rely on Cole Beasley and Stephon Diggs. Cole Beasley with a broken fibula, a fractured fibula, by the way. As the number two, you need to show up when Stephon Diggs cannot. We didn't see Stephon Diggs out. So we don't know what that feels like. And I'm knocking on wood, we don't have to experience what that feels like next year. Now, See, this is the argument that still frustrates me about John Brown. The argument is that John Brown is the deep threat that the Bills needed and is now lost. That is a myth. The best ability will always be your availability as the number two receiver. And let me, let's just cut to the chase here. Stephon Diggs is a better deep threat than John Brown is. He was a better deep threat than John Brown was last year. Now imagine this. Imagine if Diggs is out and John Brown was out. Just like 2020 when he was injured for five straight games. We don't go 5-0. We squeeze out a 2-3 or 3-2 record. Now, nonetheless, I will give him credit where it's due. John Brown was inactive in 2019 literally for only the final game of the regular season. Because I, I know some people are thinking, well, he wasn't injured the year before. He was very effective. You know, he got us you know, back on track to get to the playoffs. Josh Allen, great. For sure. My argument is this. When you have so much talent around you, so much more talent around you, and then aren't available, you become a liability to keep on the roster. And that's exactly what ended up happening. We released him. And sign Emmanuel Sanders. The message was clearly sent when the Bills bit the bullet on releasing him and signed Emmanuel Sanders right after. Look, there was an opportunity for Josh Allen to have a massive year. There were no fans in the stands. I believe, yes, it played a factor because he was able to get in sync faster with the offense. But that was an eventuality. It was going to happen. It was going to happen no matter what. There's too much talent on the roster. Josh Allen was working too hard in the the offseason for this not to show up. But if we're going to stay focused on the topic here and how we can keep Josh in that top five, look, I'm going to be real with you guys. As much as, you know, I'm on Emmanuel Sanders' side right now, I'm still going to be critical of him and say he needs to be the X factor. Emmanuel Sanders is a significant upgrade. And I think this is what's going to happen. He's going to open up the deep threat for Stefan Diggs now. But let's also make sense of this, right? Like, 
The only way this signing makes sense is if Emmanuel Sanders helps the Bills get back to the AFC Championship. Because everyone reloaded. We can go on a rant about all these teams that have reloaded, that are ready to compete for a playoff spot next year. Excuse me, this year. And so I think this is just a simple way to see, I guess, through a lens of how the Bills are approaching you know, this season and, and past seasons, right, with Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean. It's number one, letting the drafted talent grow, which I am very proud of. I'm very thankful for. I'm thankful that they have sacrificed time, <laughs> precious games that have in the past, they were nail biters and we had to rely on guys to come through, you know, who were very young, um, but they let them grow. And we're re-signing that talent. And then number two, veterans are there to constantly lead, not get lackadaisy. You've been there. You've done that. Lead. Those are the kind of guys that I think we're definitely bringing in. That's what's definitely going to help, especially on the offensive side. Now, if we're going to continue being, I guess, more critical of the Emmanuel Sanders situation, as it affects Josh Allen. Look, man, I dig a little deeper here. I don't think if, if Emmanuel Sanders doesn't outplay Gabe Davis that he keeps that number two spot. I, I think Gabe Davis gets pushed up into the number two wide receiver position. Like, I know that he didn't go crazy putting numbers up, but that Indianapolis-Buffalo game in the playoffs was literally the Josh Allen and Gabe Davis show when we needed a play to get back in the game so that we that way we can get our playmakers the ball he became a playmaker this is why we let go of John Brown and sign Emmanuel Sanders because we need number two to still be a playmaker like like Stefan Diggs can't do it all you talk about Tony Totap I mean <laughs> That's that's what I saw Gabe Davis doing that whole game. Look, I would rather bite the bullet for Josh Allen to continue growing with who he had last year than trying to mend the mold of success that was clearly shown by Diggs, Davis, Diggs, Davis, and Beasley. Like this, if if the Manuel Sanders thing doesn't work out, we still have a good team. We're still going to be effective. But I, look, I am, I am believing he needs to be the X factor, though. He has the experience, you know, <laughs> he has tons of it. He's played with an amazing, I mean, Hall of Fame quarterbacks, right? Big Ben, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, and now a future potential Hall of Famer in Josh Allen. Yeah, I'm calling it now. Whatever. Now let's get into the final point here. Ay, ay, ay. Now, before I get into the running game, though, is that is the final point? I want to give credit where it's due that we have a solid offensive line, and I am thankful for it. That is a completely different topic, which I want to get into um, later into next month, you know, digging into the trenches and whatnot. But we need to talk about the running game. It's it's tough. It's a tough conversation to have. A lot of you guys know where I stand who've been loyal listeners, and look. My position hasn't changed. I know Devin Singletary 
still there. I know Zach Moss is rehabbing. We got Matt Breida. But look, here's the points. A solid running game needs to emerge this year. Now, I don't know what it's going to look like, but something's got to give. My guess is this. It's going to eventually be a Breida and Singletary combo. And I foresee Zach Moss getting a little to no play time. I think they just want him to get a solid recovery. Maybe break him out here and there, but I don't think they're going to put a heavy workload on him. Here's the fact. The job is still wide open for the taking. All right. Again, to a side note here. Devin Singletary isn't taking sweaty topless pictures for no reason. All right. He's trying to raise his value for a potential great season or to bump up his trade value. Bottom line is this. The running game got lost in a sea of passing yards, and Dable didn't seem keen on making a strong running game with a divisional title and a 13-3 season in sight. <laughs> I don't think... I, I don't think I would have done anything different than what Dable did last year. Honestly, was I frustrated after the year ended? You heard when I talked to Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. You heard when I talked to several other people. It was just frustrating to see when we went, when we went into the playoffs, nothing was showing in the running game. It was very just lackluster, uh, basically <laughs> unguaranteed expectation type of thing. You know, The only way, in my opinion the Bills get a running game going is if someone stands out. Right now, the only thing standing out on the offense is a passing game. We all know that. We all know that. So if we're going to get into the running game right now, we need to be honest with ourselves. Buffalo don't know what the hell they're doing. I'm sorry. I do not see a guy that's going to run that position. It, it could be Matt Breida. I did talk about how that could be something that could definitely propel us in the right direction. It could have been Travis Etienne. Okay, I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> but, oh man. Um, if this is the Achilles heel to the Buffalo Bills getting into the Super Bowl. I don't know if I'm ever going to be cool with it. That's what sucks. I will forever be thankful to witness at my age a 13 and 3 Buffalo Bills. To witness it finally. Would it have been sweeter? To possibly, possibly go to one of those games, especially in Vegas, in the Death Star. Yeah, I was really looking forward to that with a bunch of people, you know, and I'm in a sea of black and I'm just wearing blue. Yeah, that's fine. But I'm still thankful. I'm very thankful. But honestly, guys, if we're going to take that next step over a team like the Chiefs, we need to have something in the running game that 
works. I don't care if it's just getting a guy in the screen game. I consider that. I know it's a pass. I consider it a running play because the running backs and the offensive line are doing the dirty work. The four-man front was terrorizing Josh Allen to where we couldn't use the most effective, most used weapon of the Buffalo Bills last year. They took it away. It was the play-action game. You can't play-action Jack without having a running game. You'll notice when the running game was effective. I'm not saying it was completely ineffective last year. And I'm not trying to completely just dismantle the potential of who Zach Moss is, right? How we could further maybe utilize Devin Singletary. What I'm saying is that when we get in the playoffs and teams start taking that away, don't say, I didn't tell you so. So where do you guys have Josh Allen? Some people are pretty brutal. I mean, they have him at six, seven. I look, I, I I'm I'm done being a doubter. I'm done. I don't think Josh Allen falls off. I don't care if we go eleven wins next season. I don't think he falls off. We are gonna have to get comfortable with him the way the Green Bay Packers got comfortable with Brett Favre. That's the plain and simple truth. Will he be better than Brett Favre? He has to win a Super Bowl first, number one. And he will. And number two, you know, it, 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 the nature of who he is, I think is what keeps him in this ranking. Literally, would you have believed that Josh Allen... Josh Allen in year three was going to be an MVP candidate? I didn't. Honestly. I just wanted a good season and I wanted us to win the division and win one playoff game. We ended up winning the division. We ended up winning two playoff games. Had a lackluster performance against Kansas City. But he was still in the running for MVP. Sorry, I think I said MVP. What is that from South Park? Man, man bear pig? Okay. MVP. I'm super serial. Okay. <laughs> like, sorry, I like I like South Park. Um like listen, what we need to remember going into this next season, the variables are constantly gonna change. Players, you know, get injured, right? Offensive linemen get get shifted all over the place to make things work, and we release it. You know, like no one thought Quentin Spain was going to leave. We're going to get into that. I can't wait to get into the trenches in the future. It's going to be fun. But I'm waiting for things to kind of transpire um, a little bit more. Obviously, with the, all the camps going on and all this jazz. But look, fact of the matter is, going into next season, we can feel confident. At least I do, that he's going to be in the top three. Dude, Josh Allen broke Drew Bledsoe's <laughs> Drew Bledsoe's record. <laughs> that was great. I mean, he he broke Jim Kelly's record. I, it, it's crazy, man. 
We've been waiting forever for this. We need to we need to really enjoy this, and I'm enjoying it. I know a lot of you guys are enjoying this, you know, but um, it's it's just an exciting time, and it's it's going to be really cool to see how the Bills compete next year. And wow, I mean, getting all the pieces we had last year back as far as the coaching staff goes, um, you know, obviously with our big playmakers and all that, um, just have that consistency. Uh, you know, it's going to be very interesting. It's going to be very interesting. And, um, you know, we have a bright future ahead of us. So, well, I, got, I, ho- I hope you guys enjoyed this 30-minute podcast. I'm, I'm trying to keep it um, more informative, more concise. Um, and thank you guys again for tuning in on Buffalo Rumblings, on Buff Hub. I'm your host, Steve Vega. Have a great rest of your weekend. Go Bills. <laughs>